How's it going, everybody? You'll hear sweet Georgia Brown in a second. But I just wanted to let you know, you're going to notice my voice in this one is not the greatest NPR sound quality. Um, (laughs) Yeah, one thing I've noticed in a year of doing podcasting now is that sometimes it's like 20% talking to other people. 10% editing, and about 70% audio issues. And this week, there was another audio issue. It It wasn't the first, it won't be the last, but there was an audio issue. I think it was my fault, though. Um, It recorded from my laptop microphone and not my beautiful Blue Yeti, which has made me sound better in most recent episodes. So my voice does not sound great, and Deuce and Morgan are on a phone call. So I don't think it's unlistenable by any stretch. I remember my first time Damien was on, I had a far greater uh, sound issue. First time Bryant was on when I took over, I had a far greater one. But the sound quality just isn't good. And I didn't want to just pretend that that wasn't happening. So I thought I'd add this nice little butcher. But butcher, bumper, I don't know. I speak for a living. But anyways... I'm going to queue up the band. I apologize for the audio issues. Hope you enjoy anyway. Me, Deuce, and Morgan had a great conversation. I'm excited for you to hear it. Oh, it didn't do the voice. Okay. Welcome to the Jester's Court Podcast. I am your host, Bradley Geyser. Um... We had a great episode last week with Damian Barling, and right after, he went on another podcast with two of my favorite people in the market, Deuce and Morgan. So it seemed only right to complete that trifecta and bring them in today. So how's it going, Deuce and Morgan? Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, no. Can we just repeat what you just said? <laughs> you just admitted that I am one of your favorites in the market. Oh, no. Oh, I think no. that's a big moment for our relationship here that you're finally ending a feud that's been long, you know, long lasting for so many years. So, yeah, I like, you know, I'm just, yeah, you know, it's the times we live in. It's you can't you can't hold grudges like I have to keep my grudges where they're important, like towards the warriors and stuff. So or you're just saying it because our name bind into this podcast and you're like well morgan's one of my favorites so i'll throw him in there yeah. you know yeah that's more what it is you know it's it's <laughs> just great to have it's just great to have the voice of sacramento on here and deuce at the same time it's- there you go <laughs> that's what i was waiting for brad <laughs> how are you how are you guys holding up um i don't know Good. where to start with this is such a yeah. strange question to ask during this time but how are you guys holding up Good. I mean, it's obviously such a weird time uh, that we're living in, and uh, I'm healthy. Uh, we're just trying to stay as productive as, as possible. You know, we're really picking up the pace with the Deuce and Mo podcast, starting to release uh, four episodes a week, so that's really keeping us busy. But I don't know, Morgan. I mean, I, I feel like it's just trying to be as productive as possible in such bizarre circumstances, right? Yeah. Like when you know, it's such a weird question because I ask people the same thing, like, "How are you?" and it's we we want to say good, but we know that we're almost all lying when we're just saying we're good, we're fantastic. Because I think anyone is just good right now, and it's okay to not be good. So 
So, Brad, we are okay over here. <laughs> Thank you for the honesty. Yeah, it's it's one of those weird things. Like, I feel like anyone who's better than okay right now has their head in the sand. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or you've got like Bezos money, where it's just like, yeah, I'm great. What do you mean? Yeah, you just have to send off a tweet saying, "Hey, we support all this," and then. <laughs> <laughs> I never yeah. knew so many businesses supported me during this time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Um, I won't. I won't dox the company, but the company I basically work for sent one of those super brave emails the other day about how uh, they're for equality, and I just had to applaud them for the bare minimum. Man, yeah, amazing. Yeah, to come out and say something yeah. like that. Oh, it's very, bold. very bold stance. Yeah, it's. <sighs> I don't know how mics pick up applause, but there. Yeah, I hear it a little bit. So this obviously affected you guys a lot as the voices of the Stockton Kings. Um, how how was coping with that like? Oh, man, it was so weird because that night that everything, you know, the Kings are playing the Pelicans that, that night. It was supposed to be an ESPN game, and we were actually in Stockton at the same time for a Stockton Kings game. And I remember I was so irritated so irritated because i'm like god i i want to be at golden of course i love calling games so i love the job but i was so bummed i was going to miss zion taking on the kings and in such a big one of the biggest games probably ever play at gold one center and then it all fell apart but so that game gets canceled we're still doing our game at the same time i'm going i don't like do you feel comfortable doing a game right now this is so weird that they're shutting down the league left and right but we're moving on and doing a g league broadcast so it was such a bizarre night it us. was so weird brad it was just one of those things where it was like you you had to stay focused you know mentally you had to stay focused yeah. stay in but there was so much something so much bigger going on in the world right outside of this little bubble of an arena that we were in so it was just a strange weird night and then i think also you know just for the stockton kings the g league season it was almost done but it really sucks for a lot of these guys that don't get to showcase themselves in the playoffs and, yeah. and you know and show off what they've really accomplished that season to try and be seen by other NBA teams. So it's just a it was just a weird weird time. And for us, you know, it's also we talk about the players, but for us, you know, we we take a lot of pride in doing games and, yeah. and trying to get better at this uh, doing play by play and uh, doing a broadcast for. Uh, the G League, we want to keep getting better and growing. So when the games get canceled, you're just like, oh, man, like it's a chance, you know, missing opportunities at this point to be calling games and, and continue to get better. So that's why we've got to take it upon ourselves to keep growing during this time, which we have, you know, listening and watching our old games, studying up, you know, doing mock broadcasts, but also producing podcasts. So it's it, 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 in a way, it's kind of like being a, <laughs> a player where it's like, hey, I know the season's canceled right now, but can't like you can't stop working out so to speak so that's that's what we've been doing doing the whole was it, what was the Derek Jeter quote that he allegedly said while he would watch himself like get some jeets are you getting that into it oh of course you you don't think I psych myself up come on beacon you got this let's go we gotta do I, this if I'm not mistaken people have often called you the Derek Jeter of G League broadcasters right oh absolutely. yeah yeah oh, a lot of people God. look at just and it's it's weird because it's not just because of how good I am at it. It's because of the, the good looks and you know all that all the attributes that that we consider, oh, this, right? This is awkward. I was asking Morgan. 
<laughs> oh no. Yeah, you know, people like to compare me because the Jeeps. It's not only because we're so good looking, but um, we're very talented as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. Oh, so did I don't remember? Did that did that game go on for you, or did they yeah. clear out that arena? No, they went on. We completed the game. And I, man, it's bugging me because I can't remember who they were playing. What I do remember, oh, no, it was the OKC Blue yeah. because I'll never forget it. Uh, gosh, this is bad. It, was it Leangelo uh, Ball was on the roster? Yes. Oh, I and it was, that he was yes, there. It was supposed to be his first game potentially. Mm-hmm. And there were the fans that were there during this whole awkward game. They were chanting to get him into the game and he never got in. So, find his way into the NBA. He's excited, signs the G League contract, and he's with the team, but doesn't even get to play, and then they cancel the season. He literally has fans in Stockton, California, oh. rooting him on, trying to get him in the game. <laughs> and yeah, Brad, though, that is the weirdest part, too, because I remember when the game started, it was if the players did not feel comfortable playing because of coronavirus, um, because obviously it was when everything was first starting. They were they were contemplating whether we were going to go through with the game or not. So everyone's mindset was just like, uh, uh, "Are we playing this game? Are we not? Play- Am I getting coronavirus just sitting here?" Like you know, every the the knowledge of um, COVID nineteen just wasn't apparent yet. And it was what's wild about the G League season this year for us in terms of broadcasting. It's it, dealing with what was happening, kind of the uncertainty, but we also had a game the afternoon, literally, we're walking up in January to the arena, and we find out about Kobe's death, and we have a game in like an hour, and that was bizarre, because obviously that was such like a a crazy time in the basketball world, but also all these players who looked up to him, and you know, we're calling it a G League game, and it's like, man, this doesn't feel important right now. Yeah. That was kind of biz- bizarre too. I've said bizarre three times on the podcast, by the way. I'm keeping <laughs> track. Um, but yeah, there's definitely been some weird things happening uh, this season. Yeah, I just I've been thinking about that a lot the last few days. It, the NBA has basically botched its coronavirus. Uh, response on every level right i'm not being cynical um i I would like to know why you think they botched it i mean i I think you could make a case that they could have shut things down earlier than they did what's crazy is that them you know rudy gobert his situation and them canceling that game really caused everything to shut down right Mm -hmm. that day it was like the next day like it was okay. We got to take this series. So you wonder, had it been earlier, you know, would would you know everyone have had followed the NBA's lead earlier? Um, as far as like how they're handling this bubble, I, I I think they're trying to do everything. You know, I listen to Fauci. I believe in Fauci, Doctor Fauci, and yeah. you know he's he's saying that the NBA's plan seems legitimate. But you know, even if it's legit, it doesn't mean that a player or players or coaches or execs or people there won't get the coronavirus. So as excited as I am for the NBA to come back, you there's this coronavirus cloud hanging over Morgan. Yeah. And even going back to the beginning, like you were kind of talking about, you know, Brad, and maybe you feel like they botched that and just their timing. But I also go like, well, you know, you are usually depending on other leadership in True. your country to tell you, you to <laughs> kind of, to a direction and instead adam silver had to become the president of the united <laughs> states really quick and make this tough decision and 
sadly though, you guys, this is what happens with anything. And I don't want to get totally into anything, but as soon as someone gets affected, killed, something, that is when people start to make moves. And it's sad that it takes that long for people to make moves, but that is just the honest truth of what happens. So it's the same thing that's going to happen in Florida. It's the same exact thing. It's I, because I don't know that it's just a money pit in so many ways that it's like, that is what ultimately we all know it. There's no sugarcoating it. They're playing because of money. That is why yeah. they are playing. But at the same time, what I, I think sometimes gets misconstrued is like, these NBA players are being forced to go to Orlando. No, no. Like the NBA and the players association are talking about this. Like the, if you don't want to go, you don't have to go. Um, so I, I think that has to come into play as well. And it does. And sorry, Brad, I know I, I, it will let you into your own podcast. <laughs> just a um, I appreciate so, it. But, but it's like, I, and I get that. I get, I get players have the choice, but at the end of the day, it really shows that money just yeah. runs everything so with this whole situation like do said with dr fauci even saying you know their their whole system and what they have going on is um supposedly going to be safe going forward you know because we're still trying to live our lives and keep businesses going but at the same time what's gonna happen when you know an entire team tests positive or whatever it may be we just don't know yeah and that's i think that's why i think they botched it so bad is you are right it's the rudy gobert situation was important not just for the nba but really for just the whole country but it should not have reached that it's that arena should not have been crowded with seventeen thousand people whatever it was when there was at least two people in there or maybe rudy wasn't in there but when there were people in there that were infected like what was did that cause any more spread we don't know that's why i don't understand in a pandemic why they said all right we'll be proactive in two days it probably should have hindsight's 2020 but it probably should have happened the second that they knew they were going to shut down they should not have shut down after so yeah. many games well i think it's been a learning experience for them and i also like morgan pointed to you would hope that there's leadership in place that you don't have to count on a sports commissioner to be the one to take the, the Step, you know what I mean? You know yeah. what I mean about that? So, yeah. I, uh, hopefully, they learn from it. And, uh, I hope this, you know, situation with restarting the season is a success, and you don't have a whole bunch of people getting sick. Yeah. I'm a stone cold cynic on this. I, I firmly believe we aren't getting more basketball until I see a, see a final score in a game. Like, oh, I, until that tip off. Yep. Brad, I'm with you on that. I, I, we talked about this today on our podcast. You know, we we're talking about baseball season coming back. I'm like, baseball season's back? Maybe. I mean, you just don't – the way things are trending, the numbers are going crazy right now, and you can't ignore that, especially with baseball. They're going to be traveling. So that's another issue. So, yeah, I, I, until the ball is tipped, who knows at this point? They, they seem like they have a plan, but things can obviously change pretty fast, as we have seen the last few months. And even then, if the ball tips in late July, I still will be shocked if there's a champion at the end. I, I just think they should cancel. Like, try to try to come back. Maybe make the goal start next season. I, I'm a big LeBron James fan. As much as I hate the Lakers, I would love for him to get a chance for another ring. But yeah. I really feel like that's <laughs> the elephant in the room here is LeBron James. I really think 
that there's an insane amount of this that's just because they want LeBron to get another thing because that's great I, marketing. I absolutely, and I, I agree with that. You know, I think, I think people are naive if they don't think that has a lot to do with everything going forward. But now I also believe that there are enough good, smart people uh, in power with the NBA to not just go off of that. But of course, that's going to play a part. But it, this whole this whole thing, it just like you're kind of saying, it just feels weird. It doesn't feel right. But at the same time, who am I to say what's right and what's wrong? We've never been through this before, yeah. so we just don't know the answer. It's what you said, though. The financial ramifications, if you do not play for teams. Uh, for future TV money, which, by the way, that's what the league built on. Money. Also, for players, what that could do. Like, they, they, I, under, I get why they they want to play. There's a lot on the line here, and we're talking about financially, but so health can. Like, I, you're going to see more players. We saw Malcolm Brogdon tested positive. You're going to see more players pull out. Bonds pulled out. Avery Bradley. I think there are going to be more more to come, too. And I'm curious if there is one who the first like legit star who isn't injured to pull out is going to be. Brogdon, you could already, you can make a case for Brogdon, but I'm thinking a little bigger. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. Or, you're I, like LeBron status is where you're going with it. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe like Paul George status, like a little right. another tier. Like there's got to be someone who's not going to do it. It'll probably be someone who's on a team who probably isn't going to make the playoffs, but I don't know. And we haven't even mentioned that uh, Jokic tested positive yesterday after going to Novak Djokovic's genius tennis tournament in, was that in Serbia or? Yes, in Serbia. So Novak yeah, Djokovic, I, who, by the way, also tested positive. And there was exactly. a picture of them together. The picture of them, like, hugging each other. Yes. Yeah, I haven't even been able to hug for months like let's not hug a whole bunch of people when we go out you know that's that's the cool thing about not having real parents for me is i don't have to worry about that <laughs> you know what i mean just hug yourself right now thank you all right uh, I'll, I'll do doing it brad oh, man i feel good oh man right. i should have done a video feed yeah yeah no <laughs> <laughs> so it's been we touched on this with Damien last week, but it's been a real, in true Kings fashion, it's been a relatively eventful um, three weeks, four weeks for the Kings. Uh, considering there's no basketball being played, there's no roster moves until yesterday, but they always find a way to make it into the news. Um, I don't, you, we don't have to go in depth on this, but how wild has this stretch been? From a king standpoint, yeah. I mean it, it's what ha I mean. I'm assuming you're referring to what happened with Grant Napier oh, and yeah. the time ending a KHK and resigning his position with the Kings. I, look, I, I saw it go down on Twitter, and it's a lesson we're seeing it more and more with people who are are saying things, and maybe they don't understand what they meant. Maybe they're not trying to cause harm, but. You know, you have a certain responsibility as a human being to make sure you continue to evolve and continue to learn. And uh, I think that's a good lesson for everyone. So it's 
yeah, it was, it was definitely tough to, to see how that went down. And I just hope for anyone who's putting stuff out that they, they continue to learn and you have to, you have to educate yourself. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I look at it. I think that is the number one thing that people can see from this, you know, cause some people want to act like what, you know, people are baited or people are this. And it's, don't get angry, reflect, reflect on what you did wrong, reflect, take accountability, look in the mirror and see how you can educate yourself. You know, I think that's what else a lot of people are seeing through this time when they're being told that they've been lied to their whole life, whether it has to do with uh, racism or the way things work in our justice system or wherever it may be. And people hate the fact that they've been lied to. So instead they just try to continue their mindset and go, well, no, I'm not going to believe that it should be a different way. Well, start believing it, start educating yourself. And guess what? Like even, even as a, uh, am I a millennial? Am I younger? Like whatever the hell you want to call me, like I'm still learning things each and every day, each and every year, there's going to be new things that, you know, our youth come up with that teach us and make us better and make us grow. And so it's just accept it and grow and get better and be kind to others. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have anything else to add to that, but yeah, that's basically what I said. Damien and I went in depth last week. You guys went in depth with him last week. Um, He's done. If you haven't listened to Damien's coverage from when all this news dropped, I highly recommend it. He and Ken Rudolph, I forget if that was on the Patreon or on the main feed, but they really dove deep into this because they both have personal history with Grant, which I'm sure you guys do too. But it's very interesting to see the reactions, the differing reactions from across this. We don't have to dwell on this. We'll, we'll move on in a second. We, <laughs> we've all covered this. It's old news. But there is an opening for, on, for the TV side. You guys know anyone who might be interested? You know, I, I might know somebody. <laughs> Look, I I feel like I you know I've had so many people reach. I mean, Morgan's had people reach out. I've had people reach out to me. Oh, are you? Is it going to be you? Is it going to? Or are you interested? Number one, of course, I would be interested in NBA play by. <laughs> like, of course. Uh, the reality is, it's one of thirty jobs. Uh, it's an important job. It's one that it's. Bigger than basketball, not no. That sounds really James. Bigger than basketball, you know what I mean? Though it's there's like community aspect. I, there's so much that goes into it, and of course I have confidence in my ability that I would want to do that. But I also realize, like I've been doing the G League thing for a couple of years now, and because it's one of thirty jobs, it's going to be so freaking competitive to get that gig. And I I have confidence, no matter. Uh, what the Kings will make a good decision there. And, uh, you know, there's, a good, there's no shortage of great candidates and I'm sure they're going to talk to a lot of different people. I've said this for a while now, our broadcast industry, and this is coming from a white guy, as you guys know, our broadcast industry, it, there's just, it's too white. <laughs> we kind of have some more diversity and we want to, you know, me and Morgan talked about working you know, with Damien about ways we can get the next generation of, of, of talent, a, a diverse group of people for, to be sports broadcasters and empower and give people platforms that they deserve. So I think uh, the, the Kings will make sure to hire the right person that not only can do the job as a play-by-play -play voice and do it at a high level, but also find someone that um, understands the importance of Sacramento and the importance of community and the partnerships that are so important for this organization. So 
I know I'm saying a lot here. Yeah. My point is, of course, I would love that job. But I have said this to a lot of people, including Morgan. My time's going to come, whether it's here or elsewhere. I have no doubt about it. I, whether I get the job or not, it, it, it's okay. Like, I, I'm going to be and to add on to that, Brad, too, it's like, you know, it's something obviously when you see people, um, people have been DMing and tweeting at us and everything. And, you know, for me, I'm a color analyst and they're still like throwing ideas out there. What about a three man booth, you know, with the Doug and Deuce and all this other stuff. And it's just, it's such an honor to even be talked about. But guess what? Like, if that time isn't now, that is a-okay because guess what we're going to do? We are going to keep working our asses off to keep getting better and better. So then there comes a time where people can't say no to us. And on top of that, our goal is not only to be the best that we can be, it truly is to empower the people that are coming behind us. And that truly means to diversify the sports media world. And you can't do that unless you have help from the people already there and already still trying to work and get in there. And that's where Deuce and I and Damien, we've been discussing this with Damien Farling as well. Like, let's work on that. Let's empower others. Let's get people to where they belong and give them the opportunities that they also deserve. So on top of that, we just hope to keep on grinding and keep working yeah. our asses off to hopefully you know, get in these positions where we can be broadcasters for an NBA team or nationally one day. Yeah, and I, I have that confidence it's going to happen. What, Brad, to be honest, I've just stopped predicting the future because I, early in my career I would stress a lot about oh, what's next? What's going to happen? I'm doing the radio thing, but what am I going to do after this and this? And what's going to happen in five years? Uh, I've gotten to the point now, like I would not have predicted this path for me. I didn't predict that I would be fired from radio on April 1st, 2016. And then three weeks later be on Good Day Sacramento doing TV when I had never done TV before or doing a podcast or, you know, doing play by play for the G League. I wouldn't have predicted this path. So all we can do is continue to work hard, build relationships and treat people well. And I think if anyone, if you do those things, it's all going to work out. It may not work out exactly when you want it or how, but it will work out. So long answer from both of us. Uh, <laughs> yes, of course, we would love to have a, an increased role in King's television coverage in the future. We would be ignorant. Uh, we'd be lying to you if we said otherwise, but who knows what's going to happen with that? No matter what, we're going to continue to roll on and and keep trying to grow in this industry. It's a grind. We haven't made it. We have to get better. All that that stuff. But um, you know, obviously, we're both confident in our abilities. I'd, I'd be saying this if I had any other guest on here. I just hope they go local. If it's not you, to Jason Ross, someone. I I just hope. We've seen in certain Kings blogs what happens when you get people who are unattached to the team, the community, all that, how downhill things go. I don't want that on the TV side either. I want people who know this team, who knows what makes fans tick, whether it's Deuce Mason, Morgan Reagan, Jason Ross, or maybe there's someone local who I've never even heard of. But sure. I hope it's someone with a connection to this team and not just some, not the version of hiring, I don't know, Eric Musselman 10 years ago, just because he's available. <laughs> I, I would say this though, be open-minded because there are so many talented broadcasters that maybe you haven't heard of. And just because they're not necessarily from Sacramento doesn't mean that they can't 
you know, understand the, the city and understand its bond uh, with this team. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, you can do what you want and be critical and all that, but I would just be open-minded if, if you go outside. I mean, I, I, I think you, with a position like that, you know, these are positions that it seems like are held for a long, long time, right? Like G-Man has yeah. been doing it for 35 seasons. Every year the Kings have been in Sacramento. Um, you know, Grant on the TV side did it for 30 plus years. Now, I don't know if the next person is going to do it 30 years. Who knows? But, you know, G-Man, it's not, G-Man wasn't local, right? Like, I mean, he, he was living oh, in Sacramento came from somewhere else, right? Uh, Grant, same thing. He came from somewhere else. So I, I think there's obviously people like uh, voices that they're familiar with, maybe things that they, people that they have connected with, but it doesn't mean that the next person, if they come from the outside, is going to be uh, some schmuck that doesn't get it. And hey, by the way, if 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 they, if they end up not understanding the community, if they don't understand the bond, if they don't understand Sacramento, they probably won't be long for the job anyway. So I guess what I'm saying is just be open-minded. Oh yeah, I'm, and chances are, if it's an out-of-town person, it's someone I never heard of. So I'm not going to sit there belittling this person I don't know. Uh, maybe <laughs> they'll hire some diamond, you guys diamond in the rough. All over their Twitter feed, seeing if they said anything remotely negative <laughs> about or something. Oh, this person said this in 2015. And then <laughs> Brad will start drawing really yeah. bad sports art about them yeah. and make them really uglier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, gotta do what I gotta do as a struggling artist of a week. <laughs> Oh, I, I kind of changed the subject before I wanted to go back to one more point on that. You guys were talking about the diversity of of the sports media, and it is so telling. And I think the Grant Napier was a mi- situation was a microcosm of all of this, is that in a sport that's, what is it, 70, 80% black, so much of the media is white. And we are three people who do different things in sports who are white. So we are technically part of the problem. But it is so telling how little diversity there is in the people who cover this sport all sports that are predominantly not white and that needs to change just universally sacramento maybe we'll get the ball rolling on this but something needs to change in the sports media i firmly believe that there are not just white people who want to cover this (laughs) right no brad you are so it's it's so crazy. You know, we're seeing in the news even right now, you look at someone like Bill Simmons in the ringer and people are like, why the hell don't you have, you know, anybody black working um, for the ringer? And then Bleacher Report, there's zero black executives and um, people covering these sports with 80% black athletes, you know, or whatever the percentage actually is. It's, it, it's mind-blowing, and it's insane. And why it's finally getting exposed is because people have time to finally really push this out there and expose it. And what I love, people are using their voices and aren't being afraid of being fired for being right. You know, it's, it's now it's time what's right and what's wrong. And what's right is to stick up for the right things. And that's why even for Deuce and I, when, we are, we, when we've been doing the podcast lately, we've been really trying to amplify black voices and black messages, you know, whether that's someone with Damien or Mark Spears or even um, another NBA G League broadcaster, Megan McPeak, you know, we want to make sure people 
of color are getting their voices out there. Now, that's only one step. The next step, though, is to give yeah. a lot of youth in black communities uh, the more opportunities to grow up and see that they can be a sports broadcaster. All they see right now, and a lot of people, even Mark Spears was telling us on our podcast, he was like, he was told, you know, well, uh, there's only 2% of um, people out of college sports that actually make it, you know, uh, professionally. So you need to start looking for a different career in sports. People need to hear that more, but there also need to be programs for this. I came from a privileged high school with a lot of money that had a media program. So what did I do? I loved media and that's what I became a part of. But now we need to see these types of programs in whether it's a boys and girls club, whether it's just people volunteering their time, whatever it is, we need to make that change. It's not yes. just about talking about it. It's really doing it. Yes. There, there should be a little black girl who yes. is 12 years old who goes, I want to be a play-by-play person yes. in the NBA and that shouldn't be like a ridiculous thing. Right. And so that yeah. that's where you, you got to reach out in the community and really empower people of color to, yes, you, you can be the next voice of the Sacramento Kings. You can do this. Like we all have to work together on this because yes. you're right when, you know, it's, it, it, it's great. And it's not just broadcasting either. It's something else we talked about is, you know, the NBA is, you know, people can, and it, in sports, and it, yeah, it may be, but is it progressive enough? When you look around yeah. at all the NBA head coaches, a lot of white guys. You look at the executive, uh, the front offices, a lot of white guys. And the majority of your players are black. Like that, that, that doesn't add up. It has to change. And, and I, I hope that we start going in a much better direction in the future. Yeah, the people who get too excited about the NBA's progressiveness, I kind of have to laugh at them. It's, they're more progressive than Major League Baseball and the NFL, which if you exist, you're probably more progressive than the Major League Baseball and the NFL. It's not a very high standard to hold them to. I don't just want them to be better. I want them to be great. Yes. <laughs> so many people just like – and, yeah, like you said, coaching is another example of this where – so many of these guys are former players, and you look at guys like Patrick Ewing tried to become a head coach for a long time. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the leading scorer in NBA history, tried to be a head coach for years, and he never got that opportunity. Where these yeah. other guys just stumble in from college or stumble in straight off their playing career, and not all of them white, but I'm just so fascinated by the lack of diversity in coaching circles. I don't know how many. I'm assuming the NBA has more black coaches than like football, but it's not that it's many. It's much, Brad, because I think the number is six or seven yeah. in the NBA. And obviously it's, it's more than the NFL, but it's still not a lot. And those names you mentioned, you know, I always think of someone like Elston Turner, who was Rick Adelman's lead assistant for years. And he would get interviewed every once in a while. But like, he never got that opportunity yeah. and it, you wonder like, what, what was it? And I, maybe he just didn't do well in interviews. Maybe that's it. And, but w w let's look at the pattern here. And the pattern is it's, it's usually white coaches and it, it just has to change. It, it has to get better. It's such a cop out. It's just, yeah. it, that's all it really is. It's just a cop out because a lot of people that are 
uh, in these higher positions are white men. And these white men, and this is with every job. So it's like, it's just not okay everywhere. It's with every job. These, these people in power, mostly being white men, are like to hire people that look like them or have the same background as them or they can relate to. And a lot of them are not going to be able to relate to um, the same background of a black man trying to get this coaching position, trying to be an executive or whatever it may be. So instead they just go, oh, well, we don't relate. Or they didn't interview well, just like Deuce kind of just said. Yeah, it's garbage. It, it's just garbage. Yep. You have to dig deeper. You have to dig deeper and really stop saying we're just picking the right person for the job. No, no, no. You're just picking who you think is the right person for the job, not actually the right person for the damn job. And I'm not going to turn this into a Luke Walton roasting session, but you know when you look at like the King's process, quote unquote process last year, they didn't even interview anybody else. And it's, I don't know, there's something so incestuous about the NBA just as a whole. And this goes beyond black and white coaches. I mean, Becky Hammond, when she was just interviewed for a job, she had people angry about that. <laughs> when, you know, Derek Fisher... Jason Kidd got jobs. They practically just walked off the court after their last game and stumbled into head coaching jobs. And there's just so many double standards that cross so many different wavelengths. And yeah, I, I applaud the NBA for being better than the other leagues, but they still have so much time to go. Oh, they, yeah, absolutely. And the reality is these conversations are happening now. Look, look at how much time we're spending mm -hmm. on this topic, right? So it's becoming an issue that more and more people are not only becoming aware of, I don't know how you weren't aware of it, but you know, some people have been blinded to that. They ha haven't noticed that. Well, I think more and more people are starting to become aware of it. And it, it I'm, like I said, I'm hopeful that we're going to start going in, in the right direction because it shouldn't matter if you're obviously if you're black or white, it, it doesn't matter. Or if you're a man or woman, if you could coach, coach and you should get opportunities you should be talking to anyone who can help an organization go in the right direction that's all there is to it no one's and no one's saying like in the WNBA no one's saying Bill Lane Beer isn't qualified to coach these women because he's a man but for some reason in the NBA that suddenly becomes an issue and, and it's not just the NBA that's sports right. oh, and right. life in general Oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's literally like it is every, I, I talk about this with Deuce, you know, I, once again, I am so, so fortunate that I met Deuce and Jason Ross when I first started my career in Sacramento in sports broadcasting. And I got to give uh, Sean Cunningham with ABC 10 some love too, because those guys, they just empowered me. They just, they didn't care that I was a woman, but they were also very aware that I was a woman so they were going to understand that I was going to have different hardships and challenges than they were going to have. You know, where some people just go, well, I just treat her like a man. No, treat me like a woman because I'm a damn woman, but understand <laughs> that you just need to treat me equally. That is it. And that's what I got from these guys. And I just, I, I'm so lucky. And I just hope that, you know, I know that we, Deuce and I are going to keep passing along to people below us, but we just need everybody uh, men and women in the sports world, oh. in the coaching world, and you know the sports broadcasting world, and all that to just understand it just doesn't matter. Well, I think for so long in, in sports broadcasting, and it's still you know prevalent, 
Um, there's a lot of egos in place and people, you know, don't, not, not everyone who's in this business wants to help people. And I think this business is at its best when everyone yeah. is lifting and empowering people in the business. And look, it, it shouldn't, you, you shouldn't, you should have confidence in your ability that just because you help someone doesn't mean you're going to lose your job. You know what I mean? Like we should all be lifting each other. We should be promoting each other's podcasts, promoting each other's work. This isn't a competition. We're all in the sports media landscape together and we should be all working together to get to, to that next level. And I, I think that's, I, that's where I'm hopeful with this younger generation um, getting in this business too is, that they do want to help. They want to lift each other up yeah. and collaborate and get the most out of this. I love Gen Z. Like people, I occasionally see people complain about them and I complaining about the younger generation is, I, it's a given. I probably do it too, even though I love them. But I just, there's something about Gen Z that just warms my heart. They seem so kind hearted, but they're also really good at insulting people. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They're vicious. But they, they get stuff done. Yeah, they're witty. Like there's like this this underlining kindness in their heart that that's all that they're you know really coming from. They're just trying to unite and get things done, just like he just said. Well, I think the three of us I know are all similar in age. They're they're like the first generation that has grown up in the internet age, and it shows to me. And I don't that could be seen as a negative. I'm not even using that as a negative. They're like their wit and ability to just like say even the most simple concepts is hilarious. These TikToks, I don't go on TikTok too often, but these TikToks of them making fun of millennials, they're hilarious because they're so scathing. I just love it. That's a tangent, but I love it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I've been on TikTok checking things out uh, because I, again, I want to keep learning about new technologies and see what's going on. Uh, I, I said in the, in the beginning, of TikTok when I first started looking at it, that 90% of it is crap. I'm, I'm lowering it down. I think more people are getting creative and there's oh, some God. funny people out there. There's some really, there's a lot of bad, uh, lame concepts out there on TikTok, but there's actually some pretty funny stuff. There's some content out there. And the, oh God, I cannot believe I'm talking about TikTok right now. Cause Brad, it's <laughs> the only reason why I was like, cause I was so against it, but I'm like, why Morgan, then you're just going to become one of those boomers. You know, that's the word oh, that yeah. all the kids use. And, and I was like, you just, you have to know, you have to understand, you don't have to like it, but you have to understand it. So then I started seeing it a little bit more and I started understanding what Deuce was seeing. And it was like, you know, there's the, the creative side and then there's the ones who value themselves off of likes and views. And they do this thing where they, they grab you in and they say, and they, they do this whole story, but then they'll say, like to see the next post yeah see the part two oh, get part out of two. here and it's just basically they're this new way of these kids this younger generation to gather all these likes and all these views and all these new um people following them and it's such a weird concept but i just hope that a lot of them don't put their worth uh on their tiktok likes which we yeah. do see sometimes but hopefully yeah. you know the bigger issue with TikTok is the privacy concerns, but that's another topic for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for Joe Rogan. Um, <laughs> there's this one kid on TikTok. I forget his. I think it's Vivek Ranadive, and he posts some entertaining content. I've seen some of Vivek's content. Again, it is funny when you see. Uh, 
people above the age of 30 try a new like technology because it, it is totally like they're trying to figure it out. They don't really know what they're doing, but it's awkwardly funny at yeah. the same time. There's, you know what I mean? There's something about it. It's like you, you, uh, you, you can't even crap on it necessarily because you're like, well, you're trying. You're I, doing it. I did post my first TikTok over the weekend. Loser. But it was also, I just took the video of me uh, that I posted on Twitter saying, oh, happy Father's Day. There's nothing like, you know, playing toss with your pops. And I just threw the football to no one. I put that on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, wow. I, I think I got like six likes. Good job. Yeah, I'm so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's... Man, you keep bringing this... Bringing the humor up in this. This is yeah. wild. <laughs> I had a brilliant thought, but you you just completely made it lose my mind. Oh, I'm sorry. Lose my mind. You made me forget it. I can't even talk right now. That's how flustered I am. It's okay. Oh, wow, dude. I like making people uncomfortable. Yeah, this is what dude does for Brad. So you're just and living in the world. The fact, yeah, the fact that you have not hit him live on the air. I've seen... I've seen some heated debates or heard some heated debates from you two. And I'm just, I applaud you for never just making it go to the next level. Because Deuce drives yeah. everyone crazy. No, it's honestly, he, I look back at some of the older podcasts and there were times that I was truly like, oh my, I, I'm going to hit him. He's so annoying. You know, what the hell? It's not even like a heated argument. It's just like, He's being a brat, you know? It's like he's just being a little brat, and you're just like, shut up. Just, I just want to be clear. I'm still here, guys. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to make oh. that. Yeah. So anyway, um, talking more crap about Deuce. But I've noticed, though, Brad, and I said this on another podcast that I was on yesterday because they asked me about Deuce. And I said, he's gotten softer, though. He's definitely gotten softer over the years. Like, there's something... Uh, he's not as aggressive when it comes to his WWE personal or, or character or whatever the hell he's trying to do. And even with some of his jokes, they're just not as dark as they used to be. So I really think he's growing, getting better, and it's really helped me and um, my mental state as well. So, yeah, just to be clear, oh. the darkness has never left me. Oh. The fact is I have to laugh at some of the things that have happened in my life. Like my awful father in and out of prison, like my entire, my mom doing the best she could, but God, what a whack job she is. Like the, the things that make me, me. True. So I, I tell people all the time in this business, you have to be yourself and hopefully you're a good person. Cause if you're not, that you're just going to expose yourself. But to me, you got what works not even in this business. I shouldn't say the business. Just be a genuine person. Yes. Be yourself. Uh, we talked to so many people in this business and it's like, they're trying to be like a broadcaster. They're like, it, it's like they're doing an impersonation of a broadcaster. Yeah. Just be yourself because if you're, you're authentic self, you can connect with people. So yeah, that's why I like sharing stuff that's happened in my life because I think it also paints a picture of like, yeah, I've got a little darkness in me. There's good reason, but this it's who I am. Amy. And I have gotten a little softer. I'm not as, you know, because I, I think I get to the point too with sports where I'm like, it's not that serious. Like it's sports. Can we, like I'm not gonna waste my time getting mad yeah. about something that happens in sports. And he's he's still he still has that edge and that edgy side, you know. Because I know so many people used to be like, "No way, is Deuce really that big of an ass?" You know, like is he really? And I'm and like I would always tell people like, "No, it's you know a little bit of a bit that he plays, 
But at the same time, he was always truly himself on the radio. He just added on to the, the can I say, a-holeness um, <laughs> of, of <laughs> He added more edge to that side of it on broadcast just to bring more entertainment, you know, not to, not to do anything more than that. But ultimately, he was just always himself. And going back to what you said about how some people, they almost have a persona as generic media guy. And it's so obvious when that's the case. Just someone who can just spout off stats, say the biggest story, maybe get a little snarky with a caller or whatever. And not, not to mention names, Jim Rome, but sometimes they just become a persona that it becomes so insincere at a time where I always enjoy your banter because it seems so it seems so natural. And then when, when you had the show with Jason Ross, which by the yeah. way, we have to cover we have to cover the stories you guys talked about with Damien about angry Jason Ross, because they were hilarious. Oh, but, we talk about Ross all day. <laughs> the nicest person on the planet. I I don't know Jason Ross that well. I've met him a handful of times and he's he was exactly what I wanted him to be. Aww. But it it's what made that show so great when you people were on it. It was just amazing. I don't know why I said you people like Trump. Thank you, man. But <laughs> no, that was, and no, it does mean a lot when I hear that because, you know, at the time it felt special and, you know, we felt like we had a lot of support. I mean, I still remember we got to do a final show together, which doesn't really happen in radio or final show with Jason before ultimately they decided to put, me and Morgan in the in the morning, uh, my goodness. Uh, but you know, even <laughs> show, I still remember like Michael Malone, who the former Kings head coach. Obviously, he was coaching Denver. He called in for a final show to wish us luck, and it, and and then all the people calling in and like people tearing up. I'm like, oh my god! And then then I was like, I knew this was like a cool show, but I guess I didn't really understand uh, the impact it, it it maybe had on people and. Um, it was, you know, I've wor been lucky enough to work with a lot of talented people working with the rise guys. I loved working with the rise guys, Whitey and Mark and Santa back in the day, little Joe, like we all had a great relationship and that was a lot of fun, but th this was definitely the most fun I I've ever had in radio because it was real, you know, like you, me and Morgan, two young people, Jason kind of, you know, throwing in, uh, his sense of humor and, you know, I'm the aggressive one. Jason's kind of the 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 voice of reason and <laughs> no it was a lot of fun and it's weird people still reference things that happened on that show and that show hasn't been on the air in five years and um no, five I, years yeah yeah it, it's it's wow it, it bums me out yeah. that and i you know I've, I've tried to move on but just hindsight is 2020 and the one thing i probably failed on early in my career is i just said well I, i'm not gonna really like politic i'm not gonna like I'm just going to work hard and it'll all work out. And um, I, I wish I, I, I said more about keeping our show together at the time. I think, yeah. you know, when you're kind of told, Hey, they're going to put you in the morning. You're just like, what's happening? Okay. Like, Oh, you're breaking up the show. And they spin uh, it to you. Like yeah. you're getting a promotion and you're getting put with somebody who isn't as fun. And it's <laughs> like, I mean, it's just the truth, but it's like, you know, it's crazy because it Deuce and I, and Jason, we focus so much on our craft and our show every day. Like that was just our focus while other people were focused on 
selling things and making sure that they're keeping their spot for the wrong reasons, you know, like the bad people. And so it was, it's really hard when you're doing everything right. But at the same time, now you learn later on in life, just being good at your job sometimes isn't good enough. And that's where you have to make sure that you are either like Deuce is saying, campaigning or building those relationships. But seriously, going to the show, I think a reason why people still talk about it though, Brad, is because the amount of fun that we had every single day on that show, I truly believe the people that listened had just as much fun like they were in that room yeah, with us. I, I will say this, you know, there's a portion of society that goes, oh, chemistry and sports or chemistry is kind of overrated. It's never overrated when you're no. working at close like that like we had legitimate chemistry and it was clear once we went the you know we moved to the morning chemistry was an issue and it was just like never really got off got going in the direction that any of us wanted and then you know it, it ended but you know the the great thing is we're still close with jason ross to this day i talk to him awesome. multiple times a yeah. week probably three to four times a week um on the phone so we we've definitely stayed close over the years and it, it, he's just a great person and like that, that he is what he is like he he shows people think oh he's a nice guy no he's the same guy on air as he is off air and i i love that guy and uh, Mark, he's yeah. sweet he's perfect he's good looking and, 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 and <laughs> look he ended up going joining a show with damien and they had great chemistry too jason ross is kind of the glue that keeps things together when he's also working with really uh, talented people. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely miss, miss those days. And all this, despite his notorious temper, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jason Ross, like, I, again, well, I, we covered this on our podcast with Jamie and like, he never gets mad. So the one time early in my career, I saw him mad. It was, he was hosting a show and someone who was running the soundboard that controls the mics and music and commercials was telling him, Hey, you got to wrap it up. We have a hard out, which means you got to get the break at a certain time. Well, Jason went over a couple of seconds, a cut with nothing, not a big deal. And he just cut Jason's mic and went to commercial and Jason Ross threw his hand up like, come on. And he was eventually <laughs> over. But last time I seen it, that was probably six, you know, seven, eight years ago. Probably I saw that. And then the only other time I saw him upset was when we got let go. Yeah. Because I remember we got the news. We called Jason Ross. <laughs> and then we met him at Laboo on Madison Avenue in Sacramento. We were just in the parking lot talking going, yeah, this is crazy. And I could tell he just didn't even want to talk. Like, he just wanted to be by us angry. <laughs> and when I say angry, he it's not like he had a smile on his face, but you wouldn't you wouldn't look at him and be like, oh, that's an angry man. It's just Jason Ross angry, you know? <laughs> There's nothing more frightening than somebody who you know is just the even-keeled person who's never angry, even being remotely angry. Like, it yes. just seems so wrong. Dude, mm -hmm. it's so true. That's when you know it's serious. But we, we can muse about the old days, but there is King's News. So I'd argue probably the most important King's news since the vote to not move to Seattle. I, I'd say the Kings are bringing back Corey Brewer, who played half the season, a third of a season with us last year, who I lobbied for several episodes about to join the team again, because I just love the guy's energy. I mean, this guy fell on his neck from 15 feet in the air and didn't miss a second. 
he's crazy in the best possible way. And I'm excited that he's back with the team. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, one thing that I always love about Corey Brewer is the fact that he is probably one of the most unlikely players in NBA history to score 50-plus points in a game. <laughs> How? Like, I go, Corey, Corey Brewer scored 50-plus points? How? What the hell? Um, look, Corey Brewer, and I know you love him, all this stuff. Obviously, to me, like, why wouldn't you look at a guy like that? I love the fact that he mixes it up. He's going to bust his ass, and the Kings need guys like that. You, you, there's a reason why the fans have grown to love Kent Bazemore. You know, before they got Kent Bazemore, I'm like, oh, he can't really shoot. I don't know. But I like what he's brought to Sacramento. Corey Brewer, it's the same thing. I'm not, he's not a good shooter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't look at him for a scoring ability, but I also look at a guy who's got the length that's not afraid to mix it up. I love that the, the clip of him getting into it with James Harden, frustrating Harden, anyone that frustrates Harden, I love. Um, so, yeah, I like the guy. He's a good guy. Um, that, I don't know how they're going to work him in, uh, but I'll tell you this, he'll probably be in better shape than a lot of guys out there, so he'll be, I think he'll be a, a nice addition for he, Sacramento. He's going to be that energy boost off the bench, and the, the kind that you really need, especially when um, a pandemic has ruined basically the basketball season. You know, the caliber of play is going to be so different, so when you have these energy-filled guys like a Corey Brewer, it's just going to help it's going to uplift the entire team's energy in the way that they're going to play the game on both ends of the floor even though he might not add um, on the scoring end the way that he will be playing defense will definitely help the other four players score for the Sacramento Kings and for a long time I said that my favorite brewer was track seven I think it might be Corey uh, you got last track you back there guys do you, do you have the uh, crickets back there Brad Cheap, 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 cheap. I'm not, I'm not fancy enough, so I have to go. Uh, but whatever that's you over, called, I love that you overhype. It's funny. Kings fans do fall in love with the player that, like, it's just solid. It just works hard. Yeah. Like Quincy AC yep. is. Like, he came back. Like I think Kings fans would be like, oh, let's give him a standing ovation. I'm on <laughs> Shumpert. There's some fans that want to. They treat Shumpert like it was LeBron leaving to go to Miami. I'm like Shumpert. Like I, I, I like him, but I mean, he, you know. We're worried about Shumpert. It's funny. Reggie Evans. People loved Reggie Evans. John Brockman. I'm trying to think of who else there are just like Jack Cooley. Players that Kings fans just fall in love with. Yeah, Kings fans. I know me. I, I'm definitely part of that group. I like washed veterans. And I like. How I about. Like, a, uh, go oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to oh, say I, how, oh, King, what King I liked a lot. Andre Miller. Oh, hell oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, hell yeah. God, he was fun. Just I, such a good passer. And he, he had that old man game that you're like, God, how would you make this happen? I always compare myself to like old man Andre. No, you're, you're yeah, like, you're, I'm slow, but like I'm smooth. And you're now. Raymond Felton after the no, walkout. And, that, and he knows how about Raymond Felton and Mario Chalmers. Like, do not ever compare me to either one of them. I am more of an Andre Miller. <laughs> I once, I don't know why I thought it was so charming, but right after Andre Miller came to the Kings, I was leaving a game. It might have been his first game even. I just saw him walking home after the game with his wife and kids, I presume. And it was just like the sweetest thing. It was almost like if he wasn't Andre Miller, the type of thing where, like, if it was someone you knew, you'd be like, hey, do you need a ride? But there was something so sweet about seeing this NBA player just go home from work with his wife and kids. Yeah. I don't know. 
it, yeah. it's almost like almost like they're human brad Please. yeah you know like when they're not on the court they aren't just always they're all kobe bryant where they're living and breathing basketball every minute right the late great kobe bryant by the way get it right. wasn't, yeah i, Don't I actually wasn't podcasting during the death so i never really covered it i never really covered it in depth but yeah what, what a tragedy did you guys see not to bring this down did you guys see a few weeks ago it would have been Gigi's birthday and the cake Pau Gasol sent Vanessa. I did not see that. Wait, oh, well, wow. I think I did. I think I did see it, but I'm forgetting what it looked like. I was, it was more just the act that got me more than the cake. Yeah. I, I think it had her name. It might have had some like references to it, but this Pau Gasol seems like one of the just all-time great guys in the NBA. I yeah, it is like him because he was a Laker, but he does like sincerely just seem like a great guy. And it just yeah, it warmed my heart. That's my favorite, like one of my favorite things about being around NBA players um, in my career is like getting to know some of them. And you go, God, they're just like good people. Because again, like you were just saying, it's like we just, oh, they just, they're just basketball players. And you're, no, there's like a human side. And, you know, the Kings, not trying to be cheesy here, but they do have like a lot of good guys in the locker room. Yeah. And it's easy to like them. And then yeah. even going back to, you know, someone like Doug Christie. Doug Christie is like the nicest guy on the planet. And you just go, man, it's just cool that there are so many, like the NBA has a lot of good guys. They really do. Like I know some of the stories that come out about maybe certain players, but really the majority of NBA players are, are good people. It's true. It's some, and sometimes like we're not going to cover all the stories and I'm not even going to go into details about this story, but um, you know, G-Man's been a part of the team for obviously so long and Last year, during Christmas, was the first year that a player gave him a, a holiday, a happy holiday card, and a gift certificate to a steakhouse. <laughs> and it melted his heart. The way that he talked about it and was just, like, talking about how special this player was and um, and just what a kind-hearted person it was. It's, those, are, those stories happen all the time in the NBA. And those are little things that we're not going to hear about. And these people are just good humans. There are so many good humans in the NBA that just care for others that just do kind human things that we will not hear about. It doesn't have to be a car. It doesn't have to be, you know, a, a new house for someone that they might know or anything. It's just the little gestures that are there because these really are a lot of kind humans. Yeah, we've, and I'm guilty of this. I think we like confuse our feelings for someone on court with them as a person. Chris Paul is someone I, I'm especially guilty about with this because I just cannot stand the way he plays basketball. But he seems like an overall great dude. And as sports fans, we should really focus on that. We should like them more for being good off the court than hate them on the court because they flop. And I'm guilty of this. I'm being a hypocrite. Brad, I literally was just saying this I, I feel like a week ago on a different podcast to do like how even I want to do a better job of not just hating on a player because of the way that they play basketball on the court or when I do analyze their game, you know, it's not about just hatred. Like Chris Paul is the perfect example because I always say that to Deuce. It's like the way that his antics are on the court. And I'm like, man, that's disrespectful to the game of basketball. Like, don't do that. Like, I don't like you. But the bottom line is, I do like him. I actually really do like him. I have to state it for now on is, 
I don't like the way that he does this, or I don't like the way that he does that. Because at the end of the day, Chris Paul is a great human, and honestly, even a really good basketball player, and you need to analyze their games the right way. Act like you're talking about someone who you know. You know, like, how are you talk about their game if you know them just analyze it and go go through the basics and the fundamentals i have gained a lot more respect for him too as a player after this trade to oklahoma city because i think a lot of people around like yeah he's not going to be there he's not going to want to play there they've got no talent just him and who else right steven adams well obviously shea gilgis alexander is a really talented player schroeder coming off the bench has been nice They've had that three-guard lineup with Paul Schroeder and Shea Gilgis-Alexander at times. But he's played great basketball. He's gotten in great shape. And look at like the, the Thunder. They've been a really good story in the NBA oh, yeah. before it got canceled. And uh, I just admire the fact that he didn't look at this opportunity as like, oh, whatever, just, I'll, I'll just play this out. I'm going to be okay, but just, just trade me. And maybe he does want to be traded. But what I know is he has – not, he's accepted his teammates. He's made them better. And the, the OKC's been really good. This is, I will say, in Oklahoma City, it's the first team I've seen Chris Paul play for since New Orleans because he never really bothered me in New Orleans for some reason. But no, it's when this went is to the, the first team. I, yeah, this is the first team since then. I guess it's only been two teams, but that hasn't seemed like a Chris Paul team. Like I feel like Chris Paul, I liked Blake Griffin, and then he was Chris Paul's teammate. And then I couldn't stand Blake Griffin. I feel like he has this, his psychoticness on the court that he doesn't have off the court. As far as I know, he's a great guy off the court, but it just yeah. permeates into teams. And it doesn't seem like that's happening. Maybe it's because he's 35, 36, he's a veteran, all that. But it's the first time where it seems like he's just getting by on his talent and he's still doing antics. What he did in Minnesota should have been criminal. But what he does with that team, it does not seem like the Clippers where he immediately just like makes everyone around him a Chris Paul clone. And I do appreciate that. I thought they were going to suck this year. I fully admit that. And he proved me wrong. And you look at what he looked like physically in Houston last year versus what he looked like this year with Oklahoma city. He worked on his body. I know he did the plant-based. I don't know if he's still uh, doing the plant-based diet or not, but it's obviously worked for him pretty well. And, you know, as you start getting older, you've got to take care of your body. That's why I think LeBron's had the success he has had with all that mileage because he's invested an amount so of a lot of money yeah. into his body and his health. And I do think more players are understanding that aspect, understanding the mental side, understanding that you just can't get by with athleticism. They're taking pride in taking care of their bodies, getting more sleep, eating better, and they're extending their careers because of it. Going back on the Chris Paul thing, too, I at the time I didn't get it. I still don't quite get it. Bringing a player like Chris Paul in for someone as ball-dominant as James Harden, I don't know how. I mean, they were within – they might have been in the finals two years ago. So well, they should have won. Stupid point. Yeah. They, 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 Chris Paul, of course, banged up. I mean, it, yeah. you wonder. And they had to miss like 27 three-pointers in a game. I mean – that's what's wild about that. They should have they should have won a championship, but then you know the next year it just didn't seem like it clicked the same at all. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Chris Paul's easy to play with. I don't think James Harden is easy to play with either. Yeah, this is just based on observation, not like anything I've heard. Well, think about it. When you're you grow up playing basketball, 
I mean, for the most part, unless you're playing a lot of AAU ball in the way that that's evolved, you're playing as a team. You're playing, you're working your ass off just as much as the next person, right? Even if there's the best player on the team, you're still, you're just highlighting their best qualities by being a good teammate. You know, everyone's being a good teammate. And so then with Chris Paul, like as ball dominant as he can be sometimes, he at least is this point guard that has this great understanding for the game of basketball. So he's going to know how to um, really facilitate the offense or be a floor manager sometimes. And obviously there's been times where he doesn't understand that with James Harden. It's he is literally that child that comes from AU basketball that you get, you get screwed being on this AU basketball team with this one kid that all the scouts only come to watch him. So the coach plays him the entire game and doesn't even try to highlight you. So with James Harden though, it's like, he still brought that even into the NBA, but he's such a creative and dominant scorer. So you have to give him credit for finding ways to still find ways to score when there's three guys on him, when there's, you know, um, when he's pushed out all the way to the half court mark and still making the shot and still being a pretty shot. So you've got to give him credit for what he's good at, but the things that he's not bad at I, or that he is bad at really, I think, disrespect the game of basketball as a whole. Yeah, and I'm glad he brought up his scoring ability because I think that often he doesn't get love for that. Right. I think people go, well, of course you're going to score a lot when you shoot all the time, and I, I get that. I'll say this, I, I do not like I do not like watching the the Rockets play. I prefer basketball that there's great ball movement. There's a reason I like the Warriors teams pre Durant. Why I like the Spurs teams uh, that took on the Miami Heat, uh, the early 2000s Kings, because I love the ball movement, oh, the cutting, man. the moving without the ball, free flowing, unselfish play, and the way Harden plays to me isn't entertaining and no i think the you know he'll go down as one of the great scores in league history but you know he, he's also going to go down as a guy that come playoff time we we never saw him go over the you know what i mean i i just think yeah. that, that that's what i think the, the the biggest issue i have with today's nba not to sound like an old man <laughs> but this is it's true i just think fans get so caught up in player stats Sometimes, like Carl Anthony Towns is a great example. Carl Anthony Towns, you look at his stat line, if you don't watch the T-Wolves, he's, you know, 29 and 14 and four assists. And you're like, damn, he is good. Look, he should be an all-star every year. And you watch the game and you go, eh, um, yeah, he's not really playing defense. His team's not really winning. I think we have, and I think this this falls on the NBA, but also falls on the, the, the broadcast partners and Bleacher Report. It, there's been so much highlighting of individual performances mm-hmm. and and step backs and you know not actually talking about the game anymore and I, look I'm all about a good highlight I get it but if you're giving me 29 and 15 and you're winning 22 games what the hell does that matter well, to me it's like, this, 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 it should be about winning well why exactly why and sorry Brad why are we highlighting you know <laughs> this why are we highlighting this individual player in this um, in his game when they lost the game. That's what's so weird to me. You know, I, they did that a lot with like Devin Booker, obviously with oh. the Suns and like, look at how many points he had and look how he scored them, you know? And it's just like, wait, but did they win? Because that is the point yes. of the game of basketball. And so I think that's something that 
you know, it, the people in charge of posting this stuff need to actually know how the game of basketball is played. And I don't think they actually know. Yeah. So to that Harden, he puts up crazy numbers. Some nights you're going, Oh my God, he's two for 21 from three. It's ugly. But you know, when, when the Rockets are winning 50 plus games, it's hard to argue against it. I don't like it, but it's hard to argue right. against it. Whereas it, the example of Devin Booker and Karanthi Towns, it's like, ugh. At the same time, though, when he consistently does that in the regular season and then they miss 27 threes, which this is where I think having James Harden and Mike D'Antoni hurts because both struggle with adjusting to adversity. Um, you could say similar things that James Harden is great at getting you regular season victories, but what's it get you in the postseason? Now, again, they were within minute, they were within one half of making it to the NBA final two years ago, but they didn't make it. And Chris Paul was injured, but James Harden's struggles were a big reason why they didn't make it still. They still should have won that game. What, were they up 25 or something in the first half? And we talk about wins and losses, but he he does. And I'm saying this as a Kings fan who has defended players who have never made the playoffs. But what does, what does he get you if the ultimate goal is a championship? Is what he does any different than the Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker at the end of the day? Now, I'm, uh, he's obviously there. Well, here's where I'm going to counter that. Because he, the, the reality, though, is if you asked any owner in the NBA, hey, would you rather have 50-plus uh, wins in playoffs, which you get playoff revenue, or have a guy that puts up these stats and you win 25 games for the next seven years, you know what you're going to pick. It's hard to win a championship. Oh, yeah. But I do agree with you on this, that his postseason performances – you know, he looks tired. And I go, gee, I wonder why he's tired. Because I turn on a Rockets game in January. They're up by 37 in the fourth quarter, and he's playing. Like, why are you playing? Like, I, I think there's just too much of that where I'm not a big fan of guys who are just trying to get theirs, right? And he's an example of that. He's trying to get numbers. And I think your numbers are going to come. You're a great player. If you play a little more team basketball, maybe change things up a little bit, imagine how good you could be. And also, what would that do for your teammates too? Where, hey, on a night where you're struggling, someone else can lift it. But if you don't show any trust in your teammates, if you don't have the pieces and they never get to touch the ball because you're taking 40 shots a game, they're not going to be ready for the, for the moment to lift you when you're struggling. Yeah, and you just look at the guys who – it always seems at the end of a James Harden thing that the guy who doesn't work out, sometimes it's legitimate to criticize them, but that guy always gets the blame. And James Harden almost seems like Teflon to some people. Like There's this running theme of the Rockets burning out in the playoffs and all this happening. Now, all this isn't necessarily on Harden. It's also on Dan Tony and the franchise, but – at a certain point when the same things happen, regardless of who's next to him, you have to start looking at James Harden, too. I mean, we're putting him on a level that's different than Devin Booker and all that because he's shown that he can win. But now he has to show that he can do the next part. And from the time that he was in Oklahoma as the sixth man to now, he's had very few like playoff performances that instill hope that he's going to be yeah. able to get over that hump. Whether Chris Paul's hurt or not, or whatever happens in this. The Rockets are so weird because I could see the Rockets getting upset by whoever they play in the playoffs this year, or I could see them doing a deep playoff run in all this weirdness. Just talk about it like it's a semi-normal season that happens to be in Disney World. He's so perplexing 
and predictable in a way. And it's very strange to me. Yeah, I, I hear that. Uh, look, I, I think the, the, really the only people who enjoy watching him play are probably just fans of the Rockets or they're just fans of individual play. Yeah, that, that's all there is to it. Yeah. But I think if you're like a basketball junkie, like kind of like us, uh, you're like, yeah, it's just not fun to watch. I'd rather watch uh, other than, you know, offenses that, like I said, that, that actually move the ball and play some team basketball. And, you know, I, I actually like Russell Westbrook. He took me a while, but I like him. And even now he, he provides the perfect and Russell Westbrook definitely deserves a lot of the criticisms that he gets, but I see him get criticisms that I think you could give James Harden, if not more so. And James Harden doesn't seem to get those same things that Russell Westbrook gets. That boggles my mind. I think there's something about James Harden that, that comes off more composed. So people just don't, um, they, they don't rile him up. So it's not exciting for them. And with Russell Westbrook, I think sometimes you'll get like this soundbite or something else from him. So people are like, yeah, let's give him more crap and let's, you know, really focus on him. And it's just, it's really how these guys react to things. And, and I think that's obviously, you know, terrible journalism for like the gotcha journalism that some people kind of go out there and try and get and try and create this narrative that someone really is something that they're not. But I would say that I think is the biggest reason why he would probably get more criticism than James Harden. But at the same time, his game too, like you, you, you look at it, there's a lot more chaotic play to it than there is with James Harden game. James Harden is more, composed on the floor yeah. when he's when he's handling the basketball where Russell Westbrook you know you might get this super explosive play that actually in all the way to the rim where it actually goes in but then the next one it's like going off the backboard like he's in third grade again but what you <laughs> I don't ever question Westbrook's effort you know yeah. like he plays with an intensity that can be annoying to some right but that's an intensity that I think most NBA coaches would love to have with every one of their players because he brings it. Now, I don't love the fact that he chases triple doubles. I, I hate triple doubles. That I just think it's so stupid. It's like, okay, so if a guy has 20 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 assists, it's not a triple double, but that's a pretty damn good game. Like, it's a triple, yeah. you know, it's like we overrate that stuff. But um, the, the guy plays his ass off, and I love his ability to attack. I do have questions long term. How's he going to progress as he gets older when he kind of loses? some of that explosion what what's he going to do when he can't rely as much on the athleticism and you know he just hasn't turned into a, a decent shooter perimeter shooter so maybe that's something that comes in his career you know jason kidd couldn't shoot for most of his career and then all of a sudden late in his career especially the times in dallas he became a very good three-point shooter maybe He's- westbrook that jason kidd is top 10 in three-pointers made or something i think He's randomly yeah. on that list just because he played for 20 years, I believe. Maybe not quite 20, but yeah, that is one of the most random things. Because yeah, he was never a good shooter until later on. Yeah. I just a couple more points and then we can call it a day. But I think those when I talk about with Harden and Westbrook is we criticize Russell Westbrook for chasing triple doubles. And I'd say parts of that are legitimate and we should be doing so. But I would argue James Harden does the exact same thing 
with scoring, he might not be chasing triple doubles, but when he's in a game, when they're up 40, he's doing it so he can have 57 points or whatever. Yeah. Completely and, agree. I, yeah, no, I completely, that stuff bugs me in the NBA. I, I do not like chasing stats. Go out there, play your game. Get your. I, I think the most impressive thing you could do if you're a star player put up numbers and win and, and, and just, you know, it doesn't have to be, Oh, I got to get to 40. I got to get, I got to extend my 50 point game streak. No, you got to win when it matters most. And that's ultimately what uh, people were, will judge you on. And my final point on James Harden that just popped to me while we were talking about this is how little we actually like know of James Harden, the person. And this is probably part of it too. For as loud of a presence as he is on a basketball court, I know that he likes strip clubs and that he dated Khloe Kardashian. And I know very little about James Harden other than that. He really doesn't have like a booming off-court personality. Even though he's in Allstate commercials and stuff like that, he's not like a Sorry. huge presence. Oh, go ahead. No, I kept cutting you off because it's like, I, I totally, I'm just like, yeah, I agree with you completely. It's It's very, it's interesting. But at the same time, it's not a bad thing, you know, it's some people are just more private with their lives or they get caught in a strip club a hundred times or they're dating someone who's obviously um, in the public eye like one of the Kardashians. So it's like that's all in the only reason why we even know those things about him is because those are so public and out there. But you're exactly right. Like we don't know about his family life or his story and all these things. and. That's also why a lot of us judge, 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 you know, or say what we want to say, because when you don't have this connection with this human, then you just start seeing them as this athlete. But what we need to do a better job as people in sports media is realize that these people do have a story. And hopefully, hopefully more people that have access to these guys, whether it's in the Rockets organization and or with national media people can get these stories, can get these uh, little pieces written up about him. So we can learn more about James Harden, the person and not just the basketball player. Yeah, I think it's very like in the 90s, there were a lot of James Hardens. And it's so jarring now because, you know, we have social media. I, I, I'm going to admit, I talk about Kevin Durant a lot. But we know who Kevin Durant is. If anything, he is way too candid about things. But we know who he is. We know who LeBron James is as a person. We know who Russell Westbrook is. There's players who aren't on these calibers who we know a lot about them. And I just think it's so funny that James Harden almost doesn't have a personality outside of basketball. Besides maybe going to strip clubs. I don't know. But that's just so weird to me in the Twitter age. And I don't even know. Is James Harden on Twitter or Instagram or any of that? I don't know. I yeah. think he probably is. I don't know if he's active. That's a good question. I don't know. But that's that's interesting. Even, and even like Kawhi Leonard, he's not. He's. We know who he is. He's a very strange man who doesn't post on all these. But we still, for the most part, we kind of know who Kawhi is. I just think it's funny that Harden is such a blank slate on this. But even with Kawhi Leonard, like, is he really strange or is he just a quiet man? You know, it's like, what are... Have you heard him laugh? Have, yeah, Brad, <laughs> heard him laugh, damn it. No, but <laughs> one of those things where I know, there. how many times do you know people on Instagram and they are posting about their boyfriend or girlfriend or wife or husband in every other post, right? 
But then when they start not posting about them, you start <laughs> getting that something happened, whether they broke up, whether they separated, something might have happened. It's it's pretty interesting the time that we live in that we go off of these posts because I don't know about you, but I have friends that I'm like, I, you, I don't talk to every day, but then I'm like, oh, she hasn't posted with her boyfriend in like months. <laughs> and then I find out they broke up and I'm like, okay, that's what, you know, it's crazy how social media works and really just tells the story. So for the people that don't go on there, so many people go, well, do they even really have a life? Do they, are they really married? Are they really, do they really have kids? And it's like, yes, yes, yes. It's just society is so used to people telling their stories on social media when, you know, it's just not the case. And so I think we are also told like, yeah, it's almost weird if you're not posting all the time or telling us your story or giving us uh, insight on your life, you know, the inside scoop. And really, it's just normal people that just don't want to. <laughs> I think I'm, I think I overstated this. I just in today's social media age, so many are on there. So it's strange when you yeah. don't know about an athlete. Yeah, absolutely. And like, Kawhi Leonard, do you hear the stories about? I forget what exactly it was, but he had like all these coupons he got from Wingstop or something as some sort of endorsement deal, and he lost them. And apparently, that just ate at him for like a week. And stories like that make me kind of feel like I know who Kawhi Leonard is better than I know a James Harden. I love Kawhi Leonard. When I say he's strange, I'm not saying that as a pejorative. I love that guy. I love no, strangers. I wasn't saying that at all. No, and that's it's so it's so true. And it's it is it is kind of a beautiful thing too with social media because it's like a great way of getting of understanding someone too without having to talk to them or having to interview them and a lot of these players you know that are very vocal on social media it's because they're doing more with their brand they're going this is a business i i want more people to know about me because then maybe this opens opportunities you know they see that like I have a child that struggles with this. Well, then I can be a part of this community or this nonprofit or this organization that does this as well. Or I really like these type of dogs. So I'm going to be with all these groups that, you know, want to pay me to be with these types of dogs and everything. So it, it, a lot of people use it as branding and part of their business tactic while others are just like, I don't give a damn. I'm not giving you anything about my life. I can get an endorsement without I sincerely wonder what a guy like Kawhi Leonard does with that much money. Like LeBron James, I know what he's doing with the money. I cannot see Kawhi Leonard having $40 million a year case. Like this guy was driving an El Camino or whatever it was after he was a finals MVP. That's probably saving that stuff. I don't know. You're no, that's actually a really good point. Like we, we have no idea what, you know, his home looks like. Is he a sneaker head? You know, what, we need to know, God, Brad, now I want to know more about Kawhi Leonard and I want to know what he's doing with his money. Damn it. But Kawhi well, is he a, does have a nice mansion. I, I did. I had to write about it once. He does have a very nice mansion and a penthouse right by Staples. Yeah, let me just repeat myself, uh, Brad. Kawhi, does any of this matter? Uh, that I have to call the episode now. That ruined it. Steve Crickets over there? No, I'll do it again. Cheap, 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 cheap. Which also yeah. describes the budget of this show. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, 
thank thank you for joining me. I I think I I think we've talked about everything. We've solved all the problems of the world. Um, where can people find you? Obviously, the Deuce and Mo podcast. You still doing the yep. live shows on there? So we're we're mixing it up. We may have some live episodes going forward. Uh, we're taping some stuff, but basically, go to deuceandmo.com. And it will have all the places you can get us. You can get the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, check the YouTube channel, all that. We're definitely cranking out more content. You know, we, we, we are trying to get more consistent with it. So doing episodes Monday, Thursday, that will come out. And, yeah, we're trying to have fun. I, I, you know, it's, it's something that we love doing. We're going to keep growing it. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate uh, your support over the years. And, of course, we're pumped that you guys have a new home with King's Herald. Um, Jacktown Royalty, rest in peace. I know it's still technically a lie, but, you know, it's, it's not. But, um, yeah, I'm happy that you guys are continuing on and doing your thing on King's Herald because you guys have a lot of good stuff on there. Honestly, I mean, you have a lot of dumb people, too. But you honestly mm-hmm. do some great content, and it's much-needed content uh, for King's fans. Yeah, it's one of those. And you you can attest to this. It's such a It was such a strange time to launch a – basketball blog but we're killing it i'm not going to take much credit for that i just podcast and write like once a month but you've got steady content there and that's awesome because you you're doing a four-day a week podcast is there ever a day where there seems to be this hasn't been the case so much in the recent weeks but where there seems to be no sports news whatsoever and you don't know what to talk about i i think th- uh, my stance on people in the podcast world or in sports radio, I go, there's nothing to talk about. There's I go, always. there's always something. Like, if you're just relying on today's news to get you through the day, yeah, you're probably, there's going to be some days you don't do well. But uh, there's always something. You just, And that's what's fun. you got to be creative. And I, I think that's another reason why, without sports back yet, we're trying to interview more people and have more conversations and just getting to know people in their journeys because I think there's people interested. They want to know how Mark Spears got where he is, and I think that can be inspiring even if you're not working in the sports world. Um, so, yeah, we're trying to mix it up a little bit. But, no, I, there's, there, if you ever hear someone who goes, oh, man, there's not a lot to talk about today, and they're a pro in the business, but then they're not professional. Like, you can right. figure it out, right? It's not that hard. Meanwhile, a few weeks ago, we watched How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days for this podcast and discussed the Kings-Knicks finals. Boom! That is content. That is not relying on news. That's like, hey, what can we do to, you know, do right. something Kings-related and have fun? Great idea. Love it. If you want to see a basketball scene that was clearly written and directed by someone who's never seen basketball, I highly recommend it. I have not seen that movie in so long, so I'd have to go back Wait, what, and watch how to, it. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's good. Wait, what about it, though? You're saying the basketball scenes are yeah. rough. I mean, sure, they're a little, they're a little rough, but I mean, great, great movie, you know. They fall in love in ten days. Yeah. Well, go back and look at the lineup that the movie posits that the Kings have in the final minute of a tied basketball game in the NBA Finals, and Lawrence Funderburk and Chucky Brown are on the court. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they, they, didn't, they obviously couldn't pay the big bucks for some of those guys to be in it. Then I guess I don't what, My, but. I suspect that they had like 10 minutes of footage from one NBA game and they just built it around that. This was not uncut gems. Yeah. It's like a victory of things, but yes, I do recall. (laughs) Anyways, 
let you guys go. Thank you for coming on. Find them on Twitter, on YouTube, on deuceandmo.com, everywhere. And I will talk to you guys next week. Um, I honestly don't know who I'm going to have on next week, but it will be a surprise to me just as much as you, you guys. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and sane. And we will talk next week.